Hi, I'm Cindy, and this is Daily Life in Christ. And today we're going to talk about the third type of ground um, that's mentioned in the parable of the sower that sows a word. And that parable is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to read the one in um, Mark, the version of it in Mark. Um, we've talked about the first two types of ground that your heart could be. The seed is the word, your heart is the ground. And the first ground is the footpath ground that talks about, um, it's kind of a shallow, you know, you know, what should I say, hard packed, I guess would be the best way to say that, ground, where there is just no depth. When the, when the word comes and, you know, is, is presented that the person just, it doesn't even sink. They don't hear it. It doesn't really mean much to them. They don't really get, um, they don't get it. You know, it just doesn't come in. And the enemy always comes immediately to steal it. Now that is in every case, in every situation. Whenever you're hearing the word, listening to it, um, reading it, whatever, however you take the word in, um, the enemy will come immediately to steal it. And that's what he does. That's his thing. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's good at it. Okay, we have more power and more authority over him that often we don't use, but sometimes it's because we don't see what he's doing. So it's important that we know what he's doing. So if he's coming to steal the word from our heart, we need to know it. Um, so we talked about that. The second ground um, was the um, rocky soil where they received the word with joy and they were happy that you know they understood it and got it, but problems, persecutions offense, things like that, came in heavy and hard and stole that word because they, they got themselves consumed with problems and it kind of contaminated that ground of their heart for the word to grow in. Okay, so we're going to talk about the third ground, but I'll read the, I'm going to read the, um, the parable out of the word first so you, you know, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> well, you know what, today I think we need the the reading glasses. All right. So this one, uh, this this one we're reading is in Mark four, four. Let's see, four three through uh, eight. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. He as he scattered it across his uh, field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it up. <clears throat> Other seed fell on shallow soil. With underlying rock, the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as planted. All right, now... So the disciples asked Jesus, uh, what did this mean? <clears throat> Explain this to us, essentially. And in verse 13, he gives the explanation of the parable. And Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? So that's why we're studying this parable. We want to understand the meaning of it. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and steal it or take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message 
and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long, they fall away as they have problems, as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell on the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. So that's the one we're going to talk about today, the one in the thorns, the thorny ground. I'm reading out of my, I don't, I don't know if I told you this at the beginning, I'm reading out of my, um, this is a New Living version of the Bible. Um, I like it, but I like lots of them. I just, this was my newest one and it's pretty, so I like it. <laughs> plus I like, the, plus I just like the, that translation too, but I like a lot of translations. So like I, I said before, I think in the, maybe the first, um, the first uh, introduction video of this, the importance of being in the word. It, it's so important that you, you are in the word. The best thing you can do is find a version that you like, one that you understand and don't be swayed by other people's opinions so much on that. I mean, a lot of people have opinions and that's okay. They can do that. But honestly, the, the importance of getting the word into you is it's so important that it's, it, at, it doesn't matter exactly what version you read as long as you get it. That's the word, the, the version you should read is the one you understand. And honestly, I read all kinds of, I, I switch back and forth all the time. I read a verse that catches my eye and then I'll read it in various other versions just to see what it says because often you just understand it better that way. The different ways it's explained um, in different versions helps you gather more understanding of it and that can't be wrong. That's all good. That's good. Because you can trust the Holy Spirit. We can always trust the Holy Spirit to give us truth and if we're seeking truth, we'll find truth. Okay? So we talked about the other uh, two types of ground, um, the footpath and the, and the rocky ground. And so now we're going to talk about the thorny ground. And once again, Satan comes again to steal the word because that's what he does. Um, and all these people can see is their problems or uh, world's problems or other people's problems. They see a lot of issues and they lose hope. They lose hope. It's a little different than being offended. Losing hope is kind of rough because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So it's necessary to keep hope. And when you lose hope, that that's a problem. Um, see, it says the... Oh, better grab my glasses. <laughs> um, it says, the seed that fell on the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out. So they hear it, they took it in, they received it, but it got crowded out. And the one thing we don't want the word to do is to get crowded out. That's what we're looking not to do. Is lot not to let happen. Um, 1 Peter 5, 6-7 um, says, So humble, our, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You know, sometimes we have to, in order to give your cares to the Lord, when there's problems, when there's issues, when there's things to worry about, to give your cares and give our cares to the Lord requires some humility. It does. Because sometimes pride will keep us in that care and make us 
feel like we can solve it. We can fix it. I don't need any help. I can handle this. That's pride. That's pride. And God resists the proud. So you don't want to be resisted by the Lord. He gives grace to the humble. So let's be humble. And when we have something that's a problem, an issue, something that we are very concerned about, we give the care of it to the Lord. We don't fester. Don't let it fester. Don't let it grow. Worrying is not godly. And I just want to make that clear. Worrying is not godly. Nor does it show someone that you care about them. Sometimes parents, and I know because I'm a parent and a grandparent, but sometimes parents think, well, it's my duty to worry about you. I'm supposed to worry about you. But you know, worry is a form of fear. And God says, fear not in the word 365 times, which is enough for every day of the year. He says, do not worry. He says, you trust me. Now I'll tell you, I know that's not easy and I know you know it's not easy. Um, sometimes things come up and especially if you have children or you know people that you're close to that you care so desperately about and they're in a situation that could cause harm or something has come up in their life or something could, most of the time it could come up. You know, they're out later than they should be. So now, you know, what, what happened to them? And your thoughts go rampant and the worry begins. Um, what we have to do, what we have to learn how to do as parents is to give that care to the Lord. At some point I'm going to talk about, I'll teach about the blood of Jesus. Because, oh, that is so awesome and helping us not worry. But the, the, the bottom line is we can trust God with our children with our family, with our parents, with our siblings, whatever it is, we can trust him with them. We can give him the situation. Do you know that, that your kids can go out in the evening and be gone and you can go to bed and sleep and not worry? It's possible. I promise you it's possible. And it's necessary because if we're fussing with worry, First of all, the, the, the truth is when God tells us not to do something and we do it anyway and we make excuse for why we should do it anyway, that's sin. Worry is sin. I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to say it is. It's not godly. And it's not proof that you love somebody. It's proof that you know how to be afraid. And we all know how to be afraid. And if the enemy's around and He's willing, more than willing to shoot all kind of awful ideas in your head, but you don't have to take them. We do not have to take them. If he comes at you with, well, what if this happened? What if that happened? What if this happened? And I bet they're over here and they may have went in the ditch and they may have this and they may have rolled the car and all oh, the man, the weather's bad and they don't have good tires and blah, 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 blah. Do you know you can grab a hold of those thoughts? Because as we talked about before, you do have control over your mind. And you can grab a hold of those thoughts on purpose and with your own mouth say, I will not think that. I will not worry about that. I will not. God has this. I trust him. I'm going to go lay down and take a nap. You know, or whatever you have to do. But 
I'm not saying you have to nap every time, but what I'm saying is if worry can't keep you awake from sleep, then it doesn't have a hold of you. And if not, if you can do other things that you have to get done or accomplish without it festering in your mind, then worry doesn't have a hold of you. And you don't want worry to have a hold of you on you. And don't make excuses for it. We cannot, we have to stop making excuses for worrying. And imply that it's somehow okay or godly or right. It's not right. There's nowhere in the word that the, the, the Lord says, well, yeah, you, well you, you know, I mean, they're your kids. You should worry about them. No, he does not. He says, you give me that care. You give me that thought. You let me take that. And so we do. That's what we're supposed to do. Okay? And let me tell you, you have the ability. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have the ability. And you can live without worry. We can. Now that doesn't, that doesn't mean that the enemy isn't going to attack us with worry or attack us with awful thoughts because he does. He does. I mean, I personally was one of those people that was, I always have said before that I was one of those people born afraid. Oh my word. I was afraid of everything as a kid and as a young teenager. And it it was hard on me. It was hard on the people around me. I was, I'd wake up crying. I'd have bad dreams. I had, um, I was always ha having scary thoughts, awful scary thoughts going through my mind. I didn't even watch scary movies and things like that. This was just the enemy attacking me. And we didn't know that. We didn't know what that was. You know, my mom and dad at that time weren't saved. They didn't know the Lord, didn't know the word. And so none of us really knew what was happening to me or what my problem was. You know, it took me to the doctor and I was on some medication for a while and everything. All because of fear, simple fear. So as I got older in the Lord, as I got saved as a young teenager and I grew and I had such a desire to know the Lord and desire to know his word. I read it a lot. I listened to anybody that would teach it. Um, I just wanted to know more. And as that happened, and I had to keep doing it because the fear and the worry choked it out and pushed it away. So I had to keep listening, keep listening, and keep reading and keep taking it in. Eventually, it started to grow. And what eventually happened is I really learned how to fight fear. Now, I mean, I haven't arrived. Nobody's arrived. But I'm certainly better at it than I used to be. I don't wake up afraid. I don't even think about being afraid too often. And what sometimes fear will hit me and it's like, hey, you have no place in me. I'm giving you no place. Because, you know, and I had to relearn it again when I had my own kids. And I have a son <laughs> who liked to do, you know, boy stuff. And, you know, the, the, the occasion to worry about him was high. And so I had to relearn it again. It was like, no, 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 we're not. Okay, fear is, or worry is fear. And I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So I had to practice, practice, practice. And then it got to the point where I just trusted the Lord. It was just, I could just really trust the Lord. And years later, you know, he's filled me in on some of the things that he has done that I didn't know about at the time. Good thing didn't need to know but God saved him and kept him and you know kept him from hurting himself and that kind of thing because I trusted him and God wanted to because he loves him so it kept me from being a disaster a mess a worried you know oh fearful mother I was not that 
I've had to practice not being that, and I'm not giving myself a pat on the back. I'm just telling you, if I can do it, and I was one of those steeped in fear people, you know, I was that kind of a person, then I believe other people can also do it. It, it was work. It took a, it took some time, but it 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 worked. The word always works. It always works, and what God said is always going to come to pass, and it's always true. Okay. The thing is, when the enemy can come in and steal it out of your heart, then um, you got nothing much to work with. You have to keep putting it back in and putting it back in and choosing over and over and over again not to worry, not to be in fear, not to worry, not to be in fear, you know, about whatever, you know, and then you will get to a point. It does get to a point where worrying is a little foreign. I mean, really, it's true. And so a worried thought comes in, you think, wow, I haven't felt like that in a long time. That's not right. I can't, that's, I'm not worrying. I'm not worrying. So, and also, also keep absolutely in the forefront of our minds, because if you've been taught that somehow worrying about someone proves that you love them, please know that that is not true. Okay. It's just not true. You can love someone with all your heart, never worry about them. You can. You trust God with them. That's the best thing to do because that works. And that will actually accomplish something. Worrying about somebody does nothing. Doesn't help you, doesn't help them. Doesn't affix you, doesn't fix them. Doesn't change any circumstances. Doesn't do anything good. So the best thing to do is give the worry to God. Always trust Him with whatever it is that's on the earth, whatever it is that you need to trust him with, whatever could possibly go wrong, we give it to God. We don't consider it. Okay. Um, now the other thing, what, uh, let me read that again. So another thing that talks about is, um, that crowds out quickly is worries of life. The lure of wealth, the lure of wealth would be, um, riches or getting too caught up in money itself, how to get it, how to make it, how to save it, what to do with it, all that kind of stuff are ways that the word can be stolen from your heart. Um, and there's nothing wrong, certainly, with dealing with your money. You're supposed to. We're supposed to be good stewards of our finances and checking out where you should put it or how you should do it or figuring out how to save it properly and things like that. There's nothing wrong with those kinds of thing, thoughts. Those are good and doing whatever it is that the Lord leads you to do. But when we get consumed by that, that is a problem. When that starts to take over and become the most important thing in your life, if you're, all your other decisions are based from that money, 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 money. How am I going to get it? How am I going to save it? Uh, that's, you know, did, you know, people can fuss for a long time over not getting a deal on something. You know, do you know that if you buy something and it's not on sale, that God doesn't fret over that? <laughs> He doesn't. He wants you to be a good steward. But if he leads you to get something and it's not on sale, so what? It doesn't mean a single thing to him. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He does not fuss over whether or not we get the best price on everything. Now, it's important to be wise. Yeah, be wise. But if, if a situation comes up where you find out you bought something and you didn't get the best price on it, so what? Let it go. These are not things... That need to consume anybody. It's just money. Money's a tool. It is not our life. We use it to live. We need it to live. But it's still a tool. 
It shouldn't be worshipped. It shouldn't consume us. Okay? Because people often worship money. And when that becomes too big of a part of our lives, um, that's when it can choke out the word. Okay, so lure for wealth. Um, and then the desire for other things. That's the other one it says, that the desire for other things. Um, the scripture in 1 John 2, 5, uh, 15 through 17 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the wor world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world, and this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Holy mackerel. Isn't that a good scripture? I mean, it, in the, it's just as, about as clear. I don't even know what to add to that. You know, we're not supposed to love the world. We're supposed to love the people in the world. People are the most important thing ever, anywhere, anyway, anyhow. So we always remember, and I always said this, you know, I said this to my kids, people are the most important thing. People are always the most important thing, more than any kind of stuff. So if my need for stuff causes me then to be rude or mean to people, stuff is taken too big of a place because people are more important. And if I, my craving for something I must have, I got to have it, I got to have it, causes me to do something that's not right in the eyes of the Lord, causes me to sin in some way, causes me to, like I said before, be rude or mean to people, you know, walk over somebody, do something that would cause somebody else to have more of a problem or a problem in their life they didn't have before because I had to have my whatever it was, it's taken too much of a place. Stuff is fine. Stuff is good. God made stuff for us to enjoy. And he's the one that gave the wisdom to the people that made it. People aren't that smart. God is the one that, that is behind everything that is made. He made everything that is made. And he wants us to enjoy it. What he doesn't want us to do is worship it. Nothing should take his place in our heart. Not anything. So, if that starts to happen, if stuff starts to get too big, I, I must have this, I must have this, or even if, it's a, even if you consider it a need, well, I need this. I need this. And and sometimes we do. Still shouldn't take too big of a place in our heart. God knows what you need. You're, but you can ask him. And you should. He said ask. You know, he told us to ask. So ask. You can ask him. But ask him. Let him show you what to do in the situation. If there's something you're supposed to do. And then let it go. Don't carry it on and on and on. And consume yourself with this thing. Whatever it is. An item of, you know, a boat, a car, clothing, it's whatever. It's the newest of this and the newest of that. Those kinds of things choke out the Word of God. Now, the interesting thing is, this is the third, the third heart condition in this list, and we can't, they kind of progress, you know. The first one, they didn't get the Word at all. The second one, they got it, but they didn't have any root. The third one, they likely had root, but all this other stuff came in and choked it out. So this would be a believer that's probably somewhat mature, but all this stuff choked it out, 
choked out the word because just stuff came in barreling in on them. Worry, you know, desires for things they shouldn't have, concern about money and getting more of it and that kind of thing. So, you know, and there's and understand this kind of stuff can happen to any of us. I mean, and like I said before, I personally have been in all three of these grounds of, of heart, and I think we all are at some time. You know, some days you may get up and you read the word and you just don't get any of it. Some days you get up, you know, you'll you'll read the word and you know it comes a little bit, but it doesn't really stick. You know, so the truth is we can all be in in all these places. It's not like we're in categories. We're not. Um, but the the goal is to be aware of this because if we're aware of it, then we can change it. If we're aware of it, then we can say, okay, this is taken, uh, this is taken too much place in my heart. Now it's choked out the word. And so, also keep in mind anything that has choked out the word in your heart, word can always be replaced. It should be. Okay, the ground needs to be in better better condition, and then keep keep putting the word in just keep putting it in because it it eventually will be a, a good grounded heart and when it is that word will grow okay so um we're going to go on and talk about our next one is the good ground of our heart and so we're going to talk about that next and so i hope you join me but thank you for joining me today bye